Thanks, Noel. And thank you for joining us today. <clears throat> uh, we're gonna be focusing uh, during this session on the Promising Practices Guide that we developed and on youth apprenticeships. And um, I, I thought before I jumped into the actual presentation, we would take just a minute to focus on the term youth apprenticeship, because one of the things we learned during this experience is that there's still quite a bit of misunderstanding about what that term means. Folks in the field um, and employers especially, unfortunately, um, don't get the difference between registered apprenticeship, pre-apprenticeship and youth apprenticeship. So one of the things that um, to get us all on the same page, thought we'd just highlight those differences for us today because we're focusing on youth apprenticeship. Probably all are aware that registered apprenticeship is a, is a job <clears throat> that individuals are hired into a formal registered apprenticeship program. They work through the work processes over a year or up to four years. Um, they get related instruction either through um, uh, some sort of provider, a community college or a union training facility, <clears throat> and they get progressive wage uh, increases. That's the formal registered apprenticeship model. Because we found over the past few years that some individuals struggle uh, to have a successful apprenticeship program, a model called pre-apprenticeship was, it sort of evolved and that pre-apprenticeship model provides some introductory kind of skill building to individuals to better ensure their success when they finally do enter the registered apprenticeship program. The pre-apprenticeship program focuses on things like employability skills, um, introductory technical skills perhaps, all of those things that employers in that area or in that industry um, feel are important for successful apprenticeships. Youth apprenticeship, on the other hand, um, is an educational model that takes place in the schools. And unlike pre-apprenticeship, which requires a connection to a formal apprenticeship program as a smooth transition, Youth apprenticeships don't necessarily require that. Youth <clears throat> apprenticeships can have multiple outcomes. Uh, students can go to work for the company. They, uh, they could be a, an apprentice in that company or another company. Uh, they could go to community college or university. So there are various outcomes for youth apprenticeships. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So, the purpose of the guide when we put it together was to really help key decision makers and practitioners like yourselves um, who are interested in launching a, a, a youth apprenticeship program or perhaps strengthening an existing one um, to get some insights into what various models might look like uh, and perhaps some lessons learned so that you can benefit from the experience of others before you. We based our research um, on uh, the time period from July, 2020 to July, 2021 um, on high schools that uh, in Maryland and Virginia that offer uh, 
youth apprenticeship programs. The focus of our effort was really to look at healthcare, but as it turned out, we also got a lot of valuable information uh, about youth apprenticeship programs in other industry areas. Our methodology was to do, to do outreach um, to schools that were registered in those states and the District of Columbia. Um, and we contacted them all. And as a result of that, uh, we identified several schools that were interested in participating. And we chose four that were unique. Um, we did that purposely uh, because as you well know, each program varies depending on the school, the students, the industry, the business partnerships. And we wanted to get representation from uh, some uh, suburban area, rural areas, and um, different sizes of schools, et cetera. We gathered the data through mostly telephone interviews, but did a lot of exchanges via email. And uh, only one interviewer did all of, the, all of the data collection so that there would be some standardization to it. And we used a, a set of guided questions and recorded the calls and transcribed the calls so that all of the data was available and um, hopefully free of uh, interviewer interpretation. The <clears throat> schools varied. Um, the four schools that we ended up with varied in size. And but it was interesting that they all offered some sort of healthcare related programs but those programs varied in size and in sort of depth in terms of offerings. Some were very large, uh, some were quite small, uh, some were well-established, some were just getting off the ground. And these variations led to differences, not surprisingly, uh, in the slate of offerings. And in one factor that uh, played quite a, a role here, and that was the, um, the pandemic and how the schools uh, weathered through that um, in terms of their programs. Uh, the target for youth apprenticeship is typically juniors, high schools, and juniors and seniors, but we did find some very uh, creative experiences that uh, school districts were offering to eighth graders um, and to 10th graders to get them um, excited about and interested in the work-based learning opportunities that were available. And although several offered um, a wide range of work-based opportunities, internships and use apprenticeships were definitely the most favored. And I'm just gonna spend a, a minute or two giving you a, a little um, preview of the four schools in hopes that that will um, entice you to look at the actual uh, guide itself and in which the full case studies are, are developed and have much more information. So the first school that we, um, we, we looked at was Charles County Public Schools in La Plata, Maryland. Um, Charles County is actually a very large operation. It's a coalition of seven high school career tech ed programs, and they have a robust set of work-based learning opportunities that, um, I, that are reflected in a guide uh, that Virginia has developed for work-based learning that um, I would encourage you to, to look at. It's listed in the resources in the guide itself. The Charles County offers um, 
several options in healthcare, an Academy of Health CNA, an Academy of Health Pharmacy Tech, an Academy of Health Physical Rehabilitation, and biomedical programs, all a part of their offerings. Um, they have several uh, articulation agreements with community colleges and four-year institutions. So the, many of the students who finish a youth apprenticeship in this system go on for higher education um, and then find uh, employment at, after their higher degrees. Uh, the second uh, school is Dorchester County Public Schools in Cambridge, Maryland. Uh, Dorchester is a relatively new program that began in 2019 um, when the district hired a dedicated youth apprenticeship coordinator. Now, as it turns out, that individual was a former school principal and a pretty well-known person in the community, which, which was a real benefit because of the connections that were already established and helped open doors, particularly with the business community. Um, been lots of outreach to employers. Um, and one of the tools that is being developed by Dorchester is a system or a vetting process so that uh, students are essentially uh, closely assessed or evaluated prior to making a placement with a particular uh, business. The employers were suggesting that approach so that they could ensure a good match. And so um, they have developed this vetting process uh, to evaluate things like employability skills and willingness to show up for work on time, et cetera. You all know about how important those are to employers. And you'll be able to hear more about Dorchester's model uh, following this presentation. So stay tuned. Um, the second, uh, I mean, the third uh, county was Louisa County Public Schools, and this county is also featured um, after uh, this presentation concludes. Uh, Louisa is in Virginia, and they also offer a robust uh, work-based learning program uh, that's grown considerably in the past few years. Um, youth apprenticeship and uh, internships are by far their most popular work-based learning opportunities, but Virginia has produced a work-based learning guide that is listed in the resources that I'm gonna talk about in a few minutes. And it's very well done and uh, gives all kinds of information about uh, various work-based learning models and comparing and contrasting them. Um, students earn both uh, credit and a paycheck for their experience. And if a student earns, a uh, student works 280 hours, they actually get an, an, an elective credit. So there are some uh, very unique things about the Louisa model. And um, I encourage you to listen carefully to the next presentation. The fourth school was Talbot County Schools. And uh, it's been operational since 2019. Um, so again, a fairly young uh, school system, uh, program in a fairly rural area, um, but it's had six students graduate as youth apprentices already and a number of students already enrolled. Uh, one of their major challenges was um, that even though they have a biomedical program, they've had have trouble with the businesses in their area being willing to hire anyone under 18, which is a common issue in healthcare. Um, they work closely with the 
uh, Maryland Department of Labor Program Navigator and the Talbot County Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development Commission. And again, those linkages are so very important. So to our findings, the first one is that states play an extremely important role in helping schools establish youth apprenticeship programs um, through both their departments of labor and their departments of education. Um, in, in, in our work, um, we learned that both Virginia and Maryland um, have established guidelines for youth apprenticeship that provide standardization across the school systems and that both states manage the process by which schools are approved to offer youth apprenticeships. So um, I would encourage you if you are just beginning uh, to do some research in your state and to make yourself aware of what kinds of guidance are already exist um, or available to you uh, that you would want to use in setting up your program. Second finding was that it's so important to link the youth apprenticeship programs to economic development. Um, economic development agencies in the state and often are the ones with their finger on the pulse of what's happening with the business community. They know which businesses and which industries are growing um, and hiring, and they know what companies are in the pipeline in terms of recruiting. And typically they have targeted industry sectors that they focus on. So it's, it's really helpful to get that information, be informed about it, and build those relationships with economic development agencies and uh, business groups like the, the state and local chambers. I hinted at number three before, youth apprenticeships in healthcare are challenging because of age and insurance restrictions for students under 18. Um, while every school system we worked with uh, had healthcare or, and or bioscience programs, um, they had difficulty attracting uh, students into youth apprenticeships in this area and businesses, um, the typical barrier was that there was concern about hiring students under 18. Um, many employers require CNA certification um, for hire, and um, that is a, a challenging um, for minors in terms of um, ent entry into work. Our fourth finding was that placing students during COVID was challenging. And as I'm sure you can imagine, um, interestingly, some of the districts uh, had issues because they had relationships with mostly small employers and those employers uh, were hiring, uh, laying off some of their own workers and were hard pressed to bring on youth apprentices. Um, and plus their mentor role would have been diminished. Um, in other cases, um, the employers were willing to bring students on, and this kind of links to uh, finding number five. For those districts that did maintain their, their programs during COVID, um, the virtual schooling model allowed students to work more hours uh, on their internships and youth apprenticeships. So it was a, kind of a catch-22 or win-win in that the students could do their work online 
um, at other hours than they might typically have done and be able to spend more, more time on the job. So circumstance vary from area to area. Finding number six is so important and I hinted at it before. <clears throat> a full-time youth uh, a coordinator, a youth apprenticeship coordinator or some similar position um, is, is critical, not only for building relationships with employers, but for helping uh, the students through the process. Um, we all know that schools are, are stretched um, and that oftentimes uh, responsibility like uh, building a youth apprenticeship program is tacked on to somebody's existing uh, responsibilities. And then it's always um, subject to becoming, uh, you know, number six on the priority list. So to avoid that, and if you're really serious about building a strong program, um, having a full-time youth apprenticeship coordinator is definitely uh, important. And the last two um, are, uh, I, I hinted at before, it was unclear uh, in any of the information that we collected how many students in any of the programs, the youth apprenticeship programs actually went on to become registered apprenticeships or registered apprentices because there is no requirement for tracking that information. And um, after students graduate, particularly that's challenging. Um, many students who uh, there's tremendous value obviously in the youth apprenticeship program, uh, but we've, we suggested that many of the students as I, as I said, go on to higher education, they may work in the field. The apprenticeship experience may have um, solidified their interest in, in staying in a particular industry area, but they wanna get additional education before they take a job. Um, students learn uh, about themselves through the experience. I had a, uh, an opportunity a few years ago to interview uh, a young woman on video who had a, uh, an, a youth apprenticeship in accounting. And during the interview, uh, she actually kind of broke down and cried because she decided she discovered that she didn't like accounting. And it was actually a wonderful learning opportunity for her. And I assured her that that was part of the process that a youth apprenticeship helps students learn what they do like and also what they don't like. Um, so I, uh, I was able to steer her, get some positive outcomes from her experience. And finally, various terms, um, as we discussed before, are being used interchangeably in the field. Um, and it, I just wanna underscore how important it is um, for us to all get on the same page about this because particularly with employers when they are approached Will you do this? Will you do that? It all kind of sounds the same. And we have to be careful um, to differentiate uh, the, the program models that we're and, and, and be clear about what we're asking them to do. Which leads to the recommendations. Um, our first recommendation is to publish a glossary of terms um, so that it's a ready resource for everyone in the field um, educators, and even perhaps something to share with employers um, about what the various terms and program models mean and uh, what it means for the employers in terms of their level of commitment and responsibility. 
similar to that or related to that then would be a recommendation to create some on-demand uh, training that presented the glossary, um, defined the terms, embedded some real life examples uh, so that uh, individuals could watch that and train on that uh, at their own time. We need to provide more guidance on how youth apprenticeships can align with state economic priorities. It seems like a no-brainer, but it really um, it, it requires some it requires some insight into how economic development agencies work and how to approach them to get the information on a ready basis that's needed for uh, strong program development. Um, the model for effective vetting uh, is very uh, intriguing and um, recommend that we develop uh, a model that could be used more universally uh, to assess workplace readiness and determine good matches. Uh, that's likely to uh, bode well for, for continued success for both the employer and the student. Uh, number five recommendation was to develop some sort of training on um, how to work with a, a, a state apprenticeship navigator. And we believe there are some resources out there, but that the, the state navigators have a tremendous um, uh, value to add into, into youth apprenticeship models and uh, would like to encourage uh, more use of their uh, skills and talents. And finally, um, in the rural areas, there needs to be more attention paid to student transportation options. Um, we can build good programs to recruit students and recruit employer partners, but if the students can't get to the job reliably, um, there's an issue. So um, studies of some sort of alternative transportation um, is a real key. I want to uh, mention that there is a resources section to the guide that contains over 25 national, state, and organizational resources. Um, the resource guide is organized at, at like the example with um, uh, the, the name of the resource, the hyperlink, um, information about contacts, uh, what it actually provides, and includes federal, state, and um, organizational resources. So I would encourage you to explore the resources section and um, take advantage of it. So in conclusion, um, we all know that high school is a pivotal time for students. Um, they're exploring, they're trying new things, and uh, a youth apprenticeship can play a vital role in that process, uh, whether it's experimenting to you know, determine their particular field of interest, um, working, uh, getting some work experience, um, developing their workplace skills, you know, all sorts of benefits from uh, that experience. And as more schools move in the direction of um, integrating youth apprenticeship into their CTE programs, um, we need to expand the technical assistance and support and resources that individuals and schools need um, to be able to uh, move forward. Uh, how to align with economic priorities, um, how to provide valuable career options to students. 
what are the pros and cons of various approaches. Um, we've made a lot of progress in youth apprenticeship over the past few years because it has been such an area of focus, but we do need additional work um, to make connections, build connections to registered apprenticeship programs so that those options are more readily available. Um, many companies that offer registered apprenticeship programs may be interested in sponsoring youth apprenticeships, but they don't understand, again, the difference in how to go about that. So we need more support in that area. And then finally, identifying and sharing uh, best practices is always a, is always a good idea. Um, and in this case, really important because we're not, we don't really have good data now to uh, show post-graduation outcomes and uh, how they impact you know, longer term uh, availability. Um, so with that, I'm gonna wrap up and uh, point you to the guide. Uh, this is your point of contact, uh, Noelle Meekins, who is uh, acting as the moderator for this session. And that is Noelle's email account. And with that, I will close and thank you for your uh, attention.